Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds. Over 100 episodes, almost 40 different ethnic backgrounds, living in almost 30 different countries. In just two seasons, the Niqabi Diaries podcast has brought you the stories of Muslim women across the globe. Women united in sisterhood by their commitment to the Deen of Islam. Welcome to season three of the Naqabi Diaries podcast, where, inshallah, we will continue to bring you the stories of the women behind the veil. The Naqabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to season three of the Naqabi Diaries. Sister, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah? Absolutely. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. I am so happy to be here. My name is Khalila. I'm from Khalila Writes, where I am a content strategist and a confidence coach. So I help you if you're really struggling to get that amazing content that stops the scroll, has your viewers sticking to you like glue and turning into clients. That is what I do. I love what I do. Alhamdulillah. 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 Sis, mashallah. Inshallah, we're definitely going to dig into that and, you know, get some, get a little bit of juice out of you so we can get some of those books, inshallah, because <laughs> I'm sure everybody can benefit from those things, inshallah. So, sister, first, let's talk about your Islamic background, inshallah. Let us know mm-hmm. about, you know, how did, how about your Islam and how did you come to the point of wearing um, hijab and niqab and, you know, are you a reba? You were born Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm a revert. My family are very far from being Muslim. We're just English. Um, I grew up typical. Um, no, my parents don't. I would say they're agnostic, but they're not religious at all, at all, at all. You know, there was no mention of God, nothing. Um, there's just me. I just me and my sister. Um, and we grew up together in London. And yeah, I always, I was always conscious. I always had a belief. But I didn't know what, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say um, I had quite a traumatic years in my teenagehood, <laughs> as some of us do. Um, I went through quite a lot of things. I was very wild. And through that, I really started to self-reflect. There's got to be more than this. Like, I was mixing with a lot of people that, you know, people around me were going to jail. They were dying. It was really, really bad. And it just got me to the point where I was like, there's got to be more to life than this Mm. and that's what really got me soul searching and I looked into all the religions and yeah alhamdulillah my friend at the time had just converted to Islam and um, she was always like this is the truth and she was telling me loads of stuff and you know I was really adamant that this was like no 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 I don't know why even though I was I was desperately looking for something you know it's like you have a barrier up against Islam it seems so so strange from the life you know right but subhanallah the more she told me things the more uh, my heart just fell in love I couldn't reject it anymore and then if we want to kind of jump to my transition into hijab I was the type of person that I could not leave the house, subhanAllah, in my teenage years without full face of makeup, subhanAllah. Complete different person now. But it was it was like it is it's like a um a protection for you in a way, subhanAllah. It's just strange. But that's how I was. I was like, well, 
I want to be Muslim, but I will never wear hijab. That was me. I was like, I will never wear hijab. And the more, this is why I always say to people, don't start off worrying about what you're going to wear, how you're, you know, this comes, Allah puts it in your heart, in there, you know. And I really started off with, you know, like two pieces of hair out the front and it backwards and big earrings and slowly, slowly, slowly it transitioned, alhamdulillah. And, you know, that's kind of my little journey to where I am now. Okay, I'm gonna I wanna dig a little bit more into there, okay? Because you know, when I speak to reverts, I like to take a little bit more, like I want a little bit more of this revert story. So how do okay. you end up taking the shahada? What was the actual turning point for you? Like tell us what happened when you actually took your shahada. Okay, well I actually started to be around Muslims at eighteen. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was eighteen at the time and um as I said, my friend became Muslim. And she started to tell me I was already soul searching. I'd looked into Christianity. Um, it, it just it, it didn't align with me. I couldn't understand three but one but two. Uh-huh. I looked into all of the like major, if you want to say, religions, and nothing made sense except Islam. Like Islam, you know, how could God, you know, like for example, the Jewish religion, how could God create people that were just destined for the hellfire? That yeah, is literally what they believe. So I was like, no, nothing makes sense. Islam is anyone. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your financial status. Nothing mm-hmm. matters. And that's what really got me. It's just to believe in Allah. That's it. And and the prophets. Mm-hmm. So it really, you know, the more she told me about it, the more it just started to fall into place. And I actually started to, so I was living with her at the time in uh, Brixton when I was 18. And towards the end, when I was getting more ready to take my shahada, I used to pray before I was even Muslim. I used to get up and pray with her, even Fajr. And I'd pray uh-huh. behind her in the way that Christians do. I know, with your hands together. And I'd pray behind her while she was praying her salah. And I'd just be like, God, if this is the truth, please guide me. That's all I would say again and again and again. And alhamdulillah, I actually had a dream. I don't really share that publicly because I know it's not good to talk about what the dream was. But I did have a beautiful dream that really made me realize, why am I waiting why am I waiting? Islam is the truth. And alhamdulillah, I was 19 and I took my shahada. And the blessing is one month later, my sister, who was 14 at the time, took her shahada too. Allahu so we've been Akbar. on a journey together. Allahu Allah Akbar. Akbar. Allah That's yeah. beautiful. That is beautiful. Mashallah. Mashallah. So with, with, when your sister took the shahada, was it you that gave her the dawah as well? And had you been giving her like information as you was learning? yeah literally so not in the beginning um in the beginning I didn't but when I actually took my shahada um I went and I talked to her about it and I gave her the book do you remember the book um the illustrated guide of Islam yes yes brilliant that is mashallah she read it and she was at a point in her life she was very young and she was also going through a lot of madness and alhamdulillah Allah just put it straight into her heart like she literally read it and she was like I believe and it was just it's just been like it's the biggest blessing that I could ever be grateful for to not have to have gone through this whole change on my own even though she was so young she's like my older sister she's five years younger than me but she's like my older sister she's more mature than me along with her so it's been it's been wonderful alhamdulillah 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 so um okay you started wearing the hijab and obviously like that was a you know learning curve for you as well I think we've all been through that even me like I, I literally thought the hijab looked so ugly on me I, didn't, well, I thought I looked <laughs> ugly in it <laughs> but subhanallah <laughs> um, so what brought how did you manage to transition from that point of 
feeling uncomfortable wearing hijab and your makeup as well, believing in like always wearing makeup. How did you make that transition into actually wearing the niqab? How long did it take as well? Yeah. Um, alhamdulillah, I put hijab on straight away when I um, took my shahada. But like I said, it was just like the little backwards. You know, you, I don't know how to explain it. But you know, when you like, it's like in a bun, you got your big hoop earrings. <laughs> and alhamdulillah, um, it was quite quick. I used to go to a halifa in Regent's Park, Masjid in central London. And there was a beautiful sister there that used to talk to us. And I remember I thought like I had put on just like a, a smaller scarf. And I was like, is, I, I remember saying to her, I was like, so is this the like correct Islamic wear? And I was so proud of myself that day. I'd never worn it before. And she was like, well, you know, I can still see the shape of your body. And I was so shocked. And it kind of made sense. Like we're covering ourselves as a protection Mm. um you know there's a reason and I think from there onwards quite probably five months something like that I transitioned and I wore um jilbab alhamdulillah and yeah alhamdulillah and you know I just want to make a point like I never I'm gonna judge anyone like everyone's on a different journey but to me alhamdulillah like I feel free and I I find it beautiful I think it's beautiful I love I love when I see women in naqab and that's actually what attracted to me the niqab. I just thought they looked so beautiful. Yeah, strangely enough. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that was the same for me. Like, as ugly as I felt when I wore the hijab, when I saw the sisters wearing the niqab, I was just like, wow, I want to dress like that. Yeah, like, I literally just amazing. felt like that. I, like, I really want to dress like that. And I, But at the same time, I felt like I didn't have the courage. And I was thinking about what is my family going to think? Because it was like, you know, in the beginning, you know, you're a new Muslim. And, you know, you get that all those kind of, you know your parents make all these comments because it's like you're just changing yourself completely and, and you know people think that when you become muslim you're just losing your identity of who you are and you're becoming like an arab or something like that do you know what i mean so <laughs> it's like you're trying or you know you're, it, all these things are like just in your mind so somehow you're yeah. trying to hold on to yourself but you, you don't want to be showing people that like oh i'm not me anymore by not yeah. completely changing yourself but you're do you know what I mean it's, you've got all these kind of yep. like when you're a reaper you just you go through all these kind of stages like subhanallah mm. like I remember I did want to wear those things but I couldn't even afford it anyways to be honest so subhanallah wow. at the time it was just yeah alhamdulillah but yeah so it, mashallah so what was the next stage in the journey so how what was it what the day you put the naqab on what was it like um yeah Berkhafiki your story is so beautiful as well and definitely definitely can relate to that you you feel like you you don't want to lose yourself entirely and yet you're ready to embrace this new way of life right mm -hmm. um yeah the day I put naqab I'd been I'd been wanting to wear naqab for a long time at the time I was married to my ex-husband mm -hmm. and we lived in Middlesbrough if anyone knows that is like seven hours drive from London yeah, man, I was living in Newcastle I was living in Newcastle really so, yeah we're down the road from each other down the road, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we're going back what oh my oldest daughter is almost 13 so we're going back like I suppose my age now like 15 years I was there about yeah, 15 I was years ago. that means we were down the road from each other really oh yeah, I wish I, I knew you the yeah I've been in, I was in Newcastle for about think nearly 20 years in Newcastle nine, about 19 years yeah because after I took Shahada I moved to Newcastle yeah right so you know them <laughs> it was challenging where we lived um so basically it was like a predominantly Asian area just in the little place that we lived 
but Middlesbrough literally if you put your arm out on either side you could touch the whole of it it was really small so you know it's like a five minute walk down the road and you're in the city centre and it's very racist like really 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 just it was horrible but um yeah I put my nafab on I'd wanted to I'd been wanting to wear it for a long time um really long time and I put the nafab on when I was in London I'd come to visit my family and I'd gone to the halakha and you know I had that in my heart I was like no I want to wear it I'm ready I really want to wear it and it felt amazing. I remember like walking down the street and I was just like, yes, I'm free. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly the opposite of what people think. If you're wearing it for a choice and your heart is ready, you do, right? You just, it's liberating. I just and felt absolutely. like I don't need to be charged for anything anymore. And yeah, it felt amazing. Alhamdulillah. So, um, I was going to ask you something so okay so when you when you started to um like when you did put your nakab on where did you get your first nakab from oh that's a really good question I don't remember I think I think a sister gave it to me you know I think yeah. a sister gave it to me from Egypt I don't remember going to buy one so I don't know if at the time there were that many I think you had to travel like quite far to find yeah. them yeah. but um yeah I think a sister gave it to me because I remember, like in Newcastle, when I had put nakab on for the, for the first time, the, the most most of the nakabs that I could find in the local shops, they were like these half neck not even half nakabs, but you know the one layer ones. So you just yeah, that's what I wore. at the back of your head, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found that a lot of them they had the velcro on it, and those velcro ones were quite like you know it didn't have enough space for me. Like my head was like it was too big in it, so I needed one that can tie it because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Velcro one, it was just like, it didn't like go all the way. Yeah, so far, yeah. it challenging. And then, or and if I'd they were too across, short. Yeah, short. A lot of them were yeah. short. And then I'd come across yeah. ones that were, um, they were just see-through, actually. You put them on and you could see, yeah. like, from the side, you could see, like, you, you know, that. My teeth. <laughs> yeah, subhanAllah. Yeah, I definitely had the see-through ones, subhanAllah. So um, when you started to wear the niqab now, how was your family's reaction towards that? Yeah, uh, I took it off outside my front door for quite a while because it was hard enough. Like my mum my found it really difficult when we became Muslim and then I left home and it was quite it was quite a difficult thing for her. But like, alhamdulillah, she's come on so, so far now, alhamdulillah. But um, yeah, I used to, I used to just, not wear it outside with her but eventually as time went on you know I just told her this is what I want to wear she couldn't understand it but but look you look so beautiful why do you have to cover yourself you know I'm sure everyone's parents does that it was just like yeah. she, you know it's like a, it was, she was acting as if she was mourning me yeah it was lost. yes but it's a final <laughs> like that is that parent guilt isn't it yeah yeah like what yeah what did I do wrong yeah. but you know what when alhamdulillah like now I definitely know Islam brought me and my mom so much closer together because um, what you learn the rights of the parents everything so now every time she's like she sees anything good I'm like yep it's because of Islam so she would go out with me in the hub no problem it, it took time but you know just make loads of that it's, it's worth it and I think um, I was saying yesterday to a sister as well it's about being consistent because I think for a lot of our parents being reverts when we do like become Muslim 
you know, a lot of the time they just think that it's a phase that we're going through and they're like, it's almost like they're hoping that, you know, one day we'll kind of get over this thing and just, you know, we'll go back to normal or whatever. But when they can see that actually our lives yeah. are improving, um, you know, and we're living in a consistent fashion, do you know what I mean? We're being respectful, we're getting, you know, we're, and we haven't changed, we're still their daughters as well you know that when yes. they see that but all this takes like it takes a period of time it takes years to kind of like, like for them to yeah. you know see that you know she's still she's still our daughter she's still the same but she's doing well you know and I think as well yeah. you know coming from background when you when you've been a bit of a wild teenager like like we've had you know <laughs> can, it's like you know deep down they're thankful that it is Islam yeah. that has, you know, brought us to that stage because without Islam, yeah. like, subhanAllah, I said, like, for me, I don't even know where I would be now to be honest with you. I don't Same. know, like, And that's it. And that's what's so sad so many of us, but alhamdulillah, exactly. That's what they have to really reflect on and it does take time. Do you know what? It's really funny because my mum was working at the time and she had a friend that was a born Muslim mm-hmm. and, you know, she would, like, say that you didn't have to pray at work you could combine them all at night and you didn't have to fast in Ramadan you know that she didn't wear hijab my mom would come home yes my mom would come home she'd write but you're not a real Muslim the real Muslim said you don't have to wear hijab if you don't you know I had had exactly the same thing exactly the same thing my because my mom she knew Muslims and you know they would tell her this and tell her that you know and she would come home telling me oh no you don't have to and I always tell her well I said no that is not correct they're they're cultural they're following their culture they're not really following Islam properly and I said to them you know just because somebody's been born Muslim and raised as a Muslim doesn't mean they really know about Islam you have to actually take time to learn about it which a lot of cultural Muslims they just don't do so it's something yeah. everybody has to like. I always say everybody has to choose Islam for themselves. You know, we can we can grow up our children to raise our children to be Muslims, but they still have to consciously make that choice that yes, I am a Muslim. Because it's, it's not something you can force on anybody. Subhanallah, you can raise them having those beliefs, but they need to you know, they need to know they need to know for themselves that yes, I'm a Muslim. And I always tell my kids that I say. Subhanallah, like, you know, I, I want you guys to do your prayers and things like that. But just remember, when you pray, it's not me that you're praying for. You're praying because Allah commanded you to pray. And it's Allah that can see you and Allah knows what you're doing. It's between you and Allah. So I asked them, I always ask them, like, when I die, are you going to still are you gonna still do your prayers? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Because that's my biggest fear, honestly. Because I know we chose Islam, right? Exactly. And there are so many people that were born Muslim and they're literally like running away from what we're running to. That's what yes. it feels like. Uh-huh. But I'm the same. I'm the same with my kids. I'm like, don't do this for me. I'll, you know, and I try to make, I work like not force them. That's the biggest thing, having conversations, exactly. making them fall in love with the yeah. deen, right? May Allah make all our children righteous. I mean, <laughs> Allah. I mean scary so um apart from your family would you say you had any kind of opposition or obstacles in the community um for wearing the niqab at all did you have any kind of issues no no alhamdulillah because pretty soon I lived in Middlesbrough for a year but yeah. the condition that I had with my ex-husband was that I would move there yeah. but we would move to Birmingham or London so we did move to Birmingham after a year um and alhamdulillah if anyone's ever been to Birmingham it's really predominantly Muslim in the area that we lived in so I had no problems at all like majority of the sisters wore niqab Mm -hmm. um you know it was it was it was absolutely fine absolutely fine 
um so no never never in a community i haven't had any problems i think um you know once people realize realize you're still you've still got a personality it's yeah. literally just a piece of cloth it's you know you're still you strong as ever underneath and um candid i think you know people can see that i think what's important is that we make sure that if we're in masjids or places where people don't really wear niqab that we make an effort smile if you're if you're in the sisters area you know so that we can show because i think there is a bit of a stigma behind you know you're there with your haram stick so <laughs> just making that extra effort with people yeah um can really help i think yeah alhamdulillah so um on that note would you say that you think do you think there's a difference between how sisters when they're that when a car get treated compared to sisters who wear the hijab um but i don't know i think it would depend on where you are i mean perhaps there would be certain things that you might not get invited to or you know i don't know but maybe that's protection from allah i don't i don't know i don't think um personally i've got really beautiful sisters around me so i i haven't personally been treated differently whether i've worn the card or not worn the card but i can definitely see that could happen um but you know what that just comes back to remembering why you're doing it like if you are wearing the card be ready in your heart that you're there to please no one but allah and the right people that need to be in your life will be in your life right and the ones that are not then alhamdulillah allah has removed them for a reason and i think it's just finding that strength so um have you ever faced any abuse for wearing the niqab yeah so especially when i lived in middlesbrough when i did venture into the city center it, all the time there would all there would not be a day that someone didn't shout abuse at me oh, wow. um yeah it, it wasn't a very nice area well alhamdulillah um i think i've only had one incident in london where some man like tried to barge into me i'm quite outspoken i have to work on that a little bit so i did i think that really shocks people as well when we actually say something for definitely, ourselves definitely they're like what i thought you were silent so that's it i'm alhamdulillah i've never had any serious harm or anything like that just nasty words in in middlesbrough really but london and birmingham it's it you know there are a lot of muslims here so i'm blessed to live in areas where um majority of the time it's been fine but i do know sisters who've had quite bad experiences so yeah i think it's just important to try and stay around muslim communities if you can it definitely helps your iman as well yeah definitely and as well like i, I said to some sisters for me like i find that um you know i only go out when i actually need to go out so <laughs> so i think like when i whenever i leave the house it's like especially when i was living in the uk like i go out for a purpose i'm not saying other people don't but i'm highly unsociable so when i go out it's for necessities <laughs> and it's just the way that I walk I walk like yes I'm not like I'm not here just doing nothing do you know what I mean so people there's no time for people to be trying to you know engage me into some kind any kind of foolishness so I think that I think that helps as well you know it does I'm not I'm the absolute opposite so I guess that just shows um kind of like it can be for anyone I'm I I love like being sociable when I'm in the right mood yeah, but, um, I just think it doesn't need to stop you, you know. Yeah, it just depends exactly. You have to go with what feels right. I love that. Yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And it's just, I think when you go out, it's 
whether you, you know whatever the situation when you leave the house you, you need to walk with that confidence and I think that actually yeah. helps you know yeah absolutely absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so um what about your experiences with um traveling I can't remember if you said you've done any traveling before or not um no I I well I'm no I haven't I haven't since not abroad just through through yeah, just I, in the UK in general yeah yeah so like when you was traveling like you know obviously you've been lived in different cities have you traveled yeah. on the train or coach or anything like that had any experiences or has, has it always just been like by car yeah yeah um I have traveled on the train from Birmingham to London uh -huh. um and that was absolutely fine absolutely fine you might get the odd stairs but I think you just gotta wear a hard a hard shoulder and not um not take anything of it just take no notice I don't really know you know what I am the type of person that doesn't really notice how people are around me so I suppose that's probably a good thing I just yeah. you don't need to worry about what other people are do, doing or thinking um focusing on yourself yeah exactly and what you're exactly. supposed to be doing that is that's that's what they call minding your own business isn't it <laughs> right exactly exactly and speaking of business in, in, let the viewers or let the listeners know like about your business how did you get into it um Khalila right yeah. so explain what it is because that's, I'm still like you know obviously coming like trying to understand have you written any books or anything like that what is it specifically right. how did you come up with this name Khalila Wright so um my background is in writing I did I was writing um editing I was doing an editing service and I've taught English for numerous years and actually how I got into business first business wasn't with Khalila Wright so myself and another lovely sister Rakea um we started up a business called homeschool queens um because we're both homeschooling mums I've got four kids she has two and we put our heads together um I'm a single mum as well so I literally had to return to work and it was just going back to my job where I was teaching with four children was impossible plus I homeschool so it just it That's wasn't kind of my life <laughs> right so we were like let's start this job she's in Egypt I'm in London um and we put our heads together and so my background is in writing hers is in design and we created Islamic mixed with I don't like to use the word secular because I believe that education all education is Islamic because Allah Sandala created everything so we, we mixed what they learn in schools with the national curriculum with bringing everything back to Tawheed and we created some curriculums under homeschool queens and alhamdulillah that went really well like the business there there's a beautiful community it's only been a year and we've got over 5,000 mums um working with us using our curriculums we're launching into coaching that's been beautiful and alhamdulillah so from there um I really really got into business I started to study business I used my skills and understood what it took to create amazing content that could you know really grab your ideal client and I well Rakea and her mum both encouraged me and they were like that's why it's so important to have the right people around you they were like Khalila you need to start coaching people in this you're amazing at what you're doing it's time to transition to that and yeah, alhamdulillah, may Allah bless them both. I mean, I started up Khalila Writes and the name is literally, I, I knew it had to be something to do with writing. My name's Khalila. I wish there was a nicer story behind it, but that's what it is. Well, alhamdulillah, um, it does what it says, isn't it? That's, that's the main yeah, Exactly, thing. exactly. So I'm actually coaching women. I, co I run a program called The Art of Content at the moment. Um, and I have amazing women in there that it's just been amazing to be part of their journey. 
Um, I help them learn the art of content, what it takes to really find your ideal client, use the beautiful playground that we have, which is social media. Predominantly, I teach work for Instagram, Instagram growth hacks, and I help them learn what it takes to speak to the ideal client, have their ideal client really knowing exactly what it is that they do on their page, going through the buyer's journey and having them click on the end result and becoming a super fan, spreading awareness, coming back to you again and again. There is a beautiful process um, to content creation and it's not as difficult as people think. So I share tips and coaching people to really show up in themselves as well. I love to say I'm a confidence coach. I help sisters to find who they are. You know, I think going into business has helped me really find who I was again because I am you know alhamdulillah islam is beautiful but i definitely think i lost parts of myself because i thought i had to uh -huh. and going into business made me realize okay i do have a voice i do have an opinion alhamdulillah so i help sisters to find that in themselves as well and yeah i love what i do it's the biggest blessing ever and alhamdulillah you can find me at khalila writes on instagram send a message anytime inshallah we're definitely going to include the links to all these things and um, Marshall, that just sounds amazing your whole coaching and I'm really interested in the homeschooling because I've also been a homeschooler for many years I haven't done my kids are quite big now amazing. but you know I was homeschooling for a long time just like kind of solo um, and I, I'm still part of a homeschooling group so I don't know if they actually know about your homeschooling um, you know platform that you've got so I'm definitely going to okay. let them know about that inshallah because I'm sure they'll okay, use of it um, yeah, so I'll send you the link. Afterwards. Yeah, definitely. These things like people need to know about them. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And we're both Nikabi women, and I think that's been so empowering. That you know, we do actually come on the camera, and there aren't that many people willing to do that. And you don't have to, but you know, it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful to see people that look like us of saying, course. "Hey, I'm still here. I'm still doing business, right?" Yes, of course. I think it's really necessary because. Obviously, everyone has a different type of personality and some people aren't prepared to come on the camera. Some people aren't prepared to, um, you know, yeah. share even their voices, you know. And that's, you know, every, as I said, I respect people for, you know, yeah. what they, yeah. you know, how, what they feel that, you know, they want to do. But it, we need to have this presence because without it, you know, the stereotypes wouldn't stop. I mean, they still probably will be there, but at least, you know, with doing, having these kind of engagements that we are showing up, you know and like letting people see well actually you know i wear the naqab i'm a practicing muslim but still yeah. you know I, I i you know this is what i'm doing i'm here and this is what i'm doing i'm not somebody that's mute because often people automatically assume that sisters who wear the naqab like you mentioned before they think that you know you like almost like you don't have a tongue in your mouth subhanallah or you can't yeah. speak, you know english or whatever country you're living in they think that you can't speak yeah. the language subhanallah yeah. So, so many biases. So it's important to, you know, for those of us who feel that, you know, we have the ability to do so, that we do speak up and inshallah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So important. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, um, yes. Um, how about, um, in your experience, have you met other sisters who have ever been um, forced into wear the niqab or sisters who, for example, they want to wear it, but they're not allowed to wear it for some reason? Yeah, um, do you know what, subhanAllah, I don't think I've met someone that has been forced. I think that's a really, really big misconception. I know a lot of people have come up to me, actually, and said, like, are you forced to wear that? They think it's because of your husband, non-Muslims, obviously. Sometimes it's genuine curiosity. 
but um I have I haven't I can't say that I have um come across anyone that isn't but when we were younger I guess there were sisters who weren't allowed um you know when we were still some of the sisters I knew were like in their teenage years their parents didn't want them to wear it and they thought it was a big barrier for them in their life but now no I would I do know sisters whose husband have wanted to them to wear niqab but the sisters that I know have all that didn't want to wear it have said no yeah. and I think that's really important I really don't think that anyone should wear niqab if their husband wants them to but they're not ready because I mean I don't take the opinion niqab is far anyway so you know this, I'm just coming from my opinion but I don't I think niqab is a huge step it is a huge step and it needs to be something that you want to do that you feel ready to do because you may receive um hatred from people around you you may get funny looks so um it's really important that you want to wear it I do know sisters who struggle with niqab Mm -hmm. um sometimes wearing it sometimes not and you know what I personally when I was pregnant with my fourth um I I literally was so sick I was just so sick I literally couldn't wear it because um it you know when you're so sick the feeling on your face I couldn't breathe so I didn't I didn't wear it yeah and you know that I think I think that needs to be spoken about that's okay I couldn't wear it that doesn't make oh. any less of me I still had my jilbab right and um I think for sisters who struggle with it if you if you take it off and then you want to wear it again don't worry about what other people think wear it again it's fine you know do what you know just do your best that's all we can do and I think that's really important inshallah exactly alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah. no it's really important and I'm I'm glad that you've made these points as well because sometimes sisters put a lot of pressure on themselves and especially with regards to husbands who wanting their wives to wear the niqab um you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that particularly but i feel that these men definitely shouldn't be pushing their wives to wear it because yeah, no, you know those sisters who wear the niqab because oh well my husband he prefers me to wear it it's just like well you know it just becomes you know it's, it's something like it, it should come from yourself as a muslim you know i think yeah definitely the yeah. husband can give that encouragement like i know a sister yes yeah and they, you know she she got married and she wasn't wearing the niqab and her husband he wanted her to wear the niqab but he didn't push her he just like showed her the proofs and the evidences about it and um yeah. you know she came to the conclusion herself that she now believes that it is obligatory and you know yeah. they, and they both came to that conclusion themselves because i think before he didn't have any kind of specific opinion on it he just it was just something that he liked so but they both yeah. about it together and they came to that conclusion yeah. together from that time she was very happy to actually wear the niqab you know so it's like they've, they've done that together which is something nice you know so she's happy wearing it and she feels confident wearing it whereas other yeah. sisters who you know i know some sisters for example they get married and the husband will and all the or even before they even do the niqab for example the, the brother will be like oh you know if we get married would you be willing to wear the niqab and you know the sister's like she's so happy about this guy she'll just say oh yeah and then you know you you go into the marriage and it's like oh yeah well we're married now so you need to put your niqab on and it's just like mm, you know if you wasn't doing that before if that's not something that you had wanted to do before and you kind of just said it because you know you've agreed to marry this brother and then you get married to the brother and then you start wearing the niqab and then maybe like you know he starts doing things that are irritating or whatever do you know what i mean there's there's things that happen yeah. in marriages where you yeah. know you, you when you get you know you can go into marriage sometimes I think well some people not everybody but sometimes you might go in with a bit of rose-colored glasses you know you're excited oh, yeah. everything's <laughs> and lovely and you know but eventually 
when the tint starts to fade and you start seeing, well, actually he does this and he does that and you find that and this annoying about this man that you live with, this husband, and then you think, well, oh, well, he's doing that. So why do I have to do this? You know what I mean? You, you know, it can turn yeah. your mind to these kind of things. So I think really when it comes to the matter of the dean, you really have to have this strong conviction for yourself, not something that you're yeah. just doing because, oh, that's what he prefers. You know, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's, it's, it would be it would be nice, ideally. But I think for women, we need to be careful of that because a lot of women, they build up, like they can get resentful about certain things and that can cause like, conflicts in the marriage where they don't need to be necessarily yes. the, the men they really need to be aware of these kinds of things and be more mm -hmm. kind of understanding and gentle it's like that um you know that that book that you call um the bent rib I don't know if you've read that book I haven't even read like all of it but I've like I have kind of had a little bit of a browse but it just talks about the nature of women so men they need to be more um understanding and more careful you know with women and you know how we and our nature as well trying not trying to force us into something that we're not because we're all yeah. different you know subhanallah so yeah i think that's yeah. really really important it is just like i said so much for providing a platform where we're able to speak about this because it is really important and yeah exactly if, if a brother wants his wife to wear it like of course that's 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 fine but with hikmah and sharing beautifully like your friend wanted to wear it because otherwise like you're saying when there's arguments what ends up happening if you've won the niqab for him but you don't want to wear it as soon as there's arguments you despise it and you yes. don't want that you yes you're wearing it because that's what you are feeling and believing that you want to do you know because it's yeah but it happens to a lot of sisters especially when you know in situations where a divorce takes place as well like you know, I've talked about this with some sisters previously. We had a discussion about um, hijab after divorce, subhanAllah. And um, we were talking about that. Like, there is a common thing that happens. A lot of sisters, they get divorced and then they just decide they're going to take their hijabs off. And it might not happen immediately, but it's like yeah. it can be like a, a thing that happens gradually, slowly. You know, maybe the sister's wearing their car as well. She might just decide yeah. she's going to stop wearing it because, you know, she's yeah. divorced. And women have like you know different reasons why they do these kind of things and it's like and it comes from a lot of like anger and resentment resentment of like you know yeah, marriages yeah. that they've been through you know some of the trauma that they experience and, exactly. and what happens is that they display that you know this kind of um you know negative emotions by removing the niqab or removing the hijab and it, it shouldn't have to yeah. come to that subhanallah yes I have a message if there's any sisters actually going through that I've been married twice <laughs> alhamdulillah you know if you do end up in a failed marriage please know number one no human being is a representation of Islam Islam is perfect we can't judge it by the people I know sometimes when you have really bad husbands it's easy to think that especially if they use Islam in manipulation which some of them do um please just know you know Islam is beautiful. Allah subhanahu wa wants nothing but good for you. And there's always good in everything, you know, after hardship comes ease. But just know that they, this no man, no human is worth your religion. Like, exactly. hold on, hold on. And I promise it gets easier, alhamdulillah. If you just hold on to the little bit of iman that you have, I know it's, it's hard. But um, if there is anyone yeah. living in that situation, exactly. taking it off, it makes you feel worse, to be honest. So inshallah inshallah if you don't mind i'd love to speak to you um more on this topic particularly because i'm actually in the process of trying to complete um, my book about being a single muslim mother 
so I'm trying I'm just like talking to different sisters as well to gather more kind of research into like you know different experiences you know because I'm, I'm making a series that's going to go alongside my book you know inshallah to talk about these topics because a lot of people you know it doesn't really get talked about enough and I think there's so many single Muslim mothers now um, you know we need to start addressing these kind of things the different kind of issues that there are in the community um, you know with yeah. regards to even the support for single Muslim mothers you know because sometimes yeah. unfortunately sometimes you know some of us get divorced and the father isn't around you know it's not supposed to be like that especially being Muslims but it, it happens you know yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, subhanallah. Okay. Oh, bless you, sister. I'm really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> alhamdulillah. <laughs> alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Um, okay, so I'm going to move on now to back to talking to the Naqab again, inshallah. Obviously, you're a mashallah alhamdulillah businesswoman, entrepreneur, okay, all rounder, mashallah. Yeah. So, would you describe the Naqab as being a barrier? And if so, in which sense? No, 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 no. It is not a barrier, especially being that. We are online now, you know, I definitely, it was definitely difficult for me before I ran my own business. I wasn't allowed to wear niqab. I was teaching and I couldn't wear it. And like I said, I don't take it as far as then I have the family to support. So I have to do what I have to do. But being able to run my own business, well, alhamdulillah, I can wear my niqab. I can wear, you know, you can cover your eyes if you want to. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to turn your camera on you can be your own boss and that is the biggest blessing so running your own business now no I do know people who have been in the business for a lot longer than me I mean I've only been in business for just a year now I know people that were in it from the very beginning definitely struggled with the niqab there was a very big barrier but the times we live in now alhamdulillah the way um, the online space is there's more of us showing up um, and it's not a barrier it doesn't need to be a barrier you do not need to sacrifice your religious values there are loads of like-minded women to be your clients or purchase what you do um, so no just as long as you do not sacrifice your values and bring them into your business it can absolutely it, it can be as as it can grow as big as you want you know you don't have to set limits with handilah to get money is completely halal and you can do it all in your naqab so it's beautiful. What a blessing, subhanAllah. It's like really right. Allah makes a way, you know, that we, you know, could never have imagined, subhanAllah, because I'm seeing so many sisters, mashallah, thriving now, like, you know, Nagabi sisters especially, you know, and yeah. it's just it's just so nice to see that, you know, women are doing things for themselves. And, and I, I don't want to sound like a feminist because I'm really not. When you start <laughs> talking about, you know, the kind of girl power stuff, people think, oh yeah, there they go again. Look at these sisters, they're like feminists, whatever. No, it's not that. But I just think that because I've been reading this book, The Idol Muslim Man. So what I love about the book is that it makes this emphasis in the beginning. It's actually the second chapter of the book. Well, the first chapter is the Muslim woman and her Lord. And the second chapter is the Muslim woman and her own self. So it goes through talking about our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, us being slaves of Allah, you know, that is the, that's first and foremost before anything else and we shouldn't compromise. And it gives so many beautiful examples of, um, you know, Sahabiyat who, subhanAllah, they didn't let anybody come in between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even like husbands, you know, subhanAllah, there's so many beautiful examples. So it just goes to show like, you know, it's sad when we see, you know, sisters in the community that they're really struggling in marriages and I, I, I would never encourage any sister to get divorced, but, you know, no. Having been in that experience myself and married to a man and he doesn't even pray, for example, and it's just like yeah. marriage has been put on such a pedestal 
in the Muslim community at the expense of the deen. And it's completely, completely wrong. It's so detrimental to, you know, the future of this ummah because we're raising children in these homes which, you know, a father, may, if he's not praying, what example is that to to our children, you know? And, you know, you're trying to raise children, you want to raise them to perform the salah and then their father doesn't even pray. You know, you can only get your children to perform the salah for a period of time. Once they get to teenage years and they turn around and tell you, oh, well, Abba doesn't pray or Baba doesn't pray. So why are you traveling me for? You know, what can you tell yeah. your kids? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like we live in this kind of, it's almost living in a, what do you mean? But it's like a, I don't know. It's multifaceted. It's just weird. It's just, it's just, it is. You know what it I mean? is. It's, it's constantly being told to be patient. Yeah, um, I mean, it's wrong. It's just wrong. No, it is wrong. It is wrong. It is. It is. I, 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 do you know what? So much, and it's so wrong. And it's like, you know, this is why things like feminism is are taking over our Muslim yeah. sisters, our young Muslim sisters, because yeah. we as Muslims have not been implementing Islam correctly, and Muslim women have been told that it's okay to just, you know, let the man do what he's doing, but oh, try to be patient and keep encouraging. <laughs> exactly, or you'll be cursed by the angel. Yeah, and it's just, it's, it's but, yeah. completely yeah. wrong, you know, and now, but, so it's no, no wonder that we have got so many young Muslim sisters who they have no interest in getting married at all. Yeah, or, or, they, right. or they're going out of the religion and marrying somebody who's not even Muslim. It's happening. Yes, I hear much. that a lot. Um, the, the the non-Muslim men are better than the Muslim men. Yeah. No. and we we shouldn't even be making these kinds of statements, Subhanallah. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. I, I mean, I think from my experience, being a single mum as well, like I, I was single for like what nearly what twelve years. Okay, and you know, right. you try to get married, you know, here and there. You know, I tried. I, I didn't make it like my focus, but there was a period of time in the, in those years that I was really trying to get married and really desperately wanted to be married. And you know. You just think you, you look left and you look right, and you see non-Muslims, and like they've got children. A Muslim, a, a non-Muslim woman, she'll have one, two, three, how many kids, and you know, she'll find the man, and he'll take care of those kids like they're his own kids. And then you, and then you come yeah. to the Muslim community, and it's like you know, they they make you, you know, they can't the way they'll tell you, oh well, you've got children, so you know, you shouldn't expect. <laughs> you, shouldn't expect you, know, yeah. you know, it's like you shouldn't expect too much, basically. You know, just take whatever you can get because you know, this or if this brother if comes children, along, like, or if you if you've got children, you have to settle, right, and yes, not yes. go for things that you wanted to have. Ah, and this is this is not this is not our Islamic history at all. It's completely the opposite. Subhanallah. I was reading this book that is the Ideal Muslim, and it talks about this um Sahabiyat, this um Um Sulain. Subhanallah, this sister, she was married to um she was married and she had children, and then she became Muslim. So the husband divorced her, and Subhanallah. After that, um, you know, she was approached by marriage from another man. He wasn't Muslim. Abu Talha actually. And then, subhanAllah, she refused his marriage, even though the man was rich. He was rich, he was good-looking, everything. She refused it. Why? Because he was not Muslim. And you know what she demanded? She said to him, if you want to marry me, you have to become Muslim. She said that she would take his shahada as her dowry, subhanAllah. Can you imagine? And the man went, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this this companion, he went and he became Muslim. Then he came and he married the woman. Can you imagine? Like, this, right. this woman, she was a single mother and he didn't feel no way like oh that she had children or anything and there's so many examples like that you know it was the yes. thing and you know you know you what sorry the stories of the Sahabia are so strong and that's what really I was going to say like 
we need more for women, especially revert women who don't have a father that's going to help her. Exactly. You know, we need more to help us know what to look for in a spouse, especially for young revert sisters. What is not okay? It's not enough. Like I wish I knew in the beginning, it's not enough just to be a practicing Muslim. It isn't. No. You need to be compatible. You exactly. need to like the same things. Like if we exactly. want longer lasting marriages in our Ummah, which inshallah we do, there needs to be more to help. Um, I'm sure for men too, I'm not, you know, I'm not just being one-sided, but I can only speak as a woman, that there needs to be more to help women know what to look for and when it's okay to say no and not just to marry exactly. just you know, because we want we want exactly the women, the Sahabiya, they was there's so many stories they had personalities they were strong they you know and the best of mankind are those best to their women and exactly. it's important we need to do more we do we really do so i'm not like this this so happy in particular i didn't even really know about her and like it's like it's just she's blowing my mind literally she's blowing my mind in this book there's so many hadith mentioning her and even after she married abu Talha. She got pregnant, okay. They had some children together, but I think it was her second pregnancy because you know, this I think everybody knows this particular story this, of this habit that the, the child died and she didn't tell her husband. And she, you know, dressed up, you know, got herself looking nice, gifted, yeah. nice, when really came home, yeah. her subhanallah. And then she, you know, slept with her husband, and the husband was angry afterwards because she told him after they, you know, these, you know, had their relations that, oh, you know, your other child has died, yeah. And then he went to the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ was happy for her. He was, you know, he was happy with what she did. And he told the husband that, and, and he made the ad that, you know, they would, you know, be blessed from that night. And Hamza, they had a child. But like that pregnancy that she had, do you know that this sister, she went for during that pregnancy in the last stages? No, I didn't. SubhanAllah. She went with her husband and Prophet Muhammad sallallahu She went out to the battlefield. This sister, can you imagine? And there's, there's, we're hearing, we're hearing, you know, the, a lot of brothers and daddies saying, "Oh, women, you know, you sisters, you need to stop doing this and don't work out or don't lift weights." And I'm not saying, you know, you should lift weights and become like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but if you think <laughs> about the, the actual you know, the physique or the physical fitness of those Sahabiyat. And we're talking about these women were living in Saudi Arabia. It's hot deserts. She went out in yeah. the latest stages of her pregnancy in the hot deserts fort. Yeah, she was there. Okay. SubhanAllah. And then when she came back, when it was on the way back, she went into labor on the way back. SubhanAllah. And then it says that um, the Hadith is also talking about, it says, because her um her husband he loved to he didn't like to um be delayed he always wanted to if he lived if he left the medina with the prophet he liked to also return with him the same time so when she went into labor she made dua and asked allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to delay the labor pains so they could go back into medina with the prophet not and not be you know late so she made dua her dua was answered and then they went into Medina and then after she, the labor pain started again and she gave birth to Panala. Can you imagine? Like, look at the strength of this woman, Radilahan. Subhanallah. It just she blows my mind, Subhanallah. And I'm just looking left and right, thinking, why is nobody's kids called Um Sulaim? I've never heard anybody called Um Sulaim here. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't heard that story. Yeah, subhanallah, yes. in this book, like I've been reading it and what because I, I thought to myself, I had to, I've had this book for many years. And it was in my room and since coming to ghana right we have power cuts like whenever they feel yeah. like sometimes for hours on end 
And you know, me, I'm the kind of person, yeah, I don't like to get angry about these kinds of things. When something keeps happening, I say to myself, you know what, I'm not gonna fight, I'm just gonna go with the flow. So what can I do now that there's no electric? As long as, if you know, especially during the daytime, you know, I thought to myself, oh yeah, I should be reading books. I've, I made sure I brought all my books with me. So pulled this book out and I said, let me start reading this and held myself accountable. I've been posting um, like videos of like my, you know, kind of insights that I'm taking from this book or things that I like from it, from, from each segment. So I've just, I've just posted each day um, on the, on my, the YouTube channel, Nikabi Diaries. Just, yeah. you know, to update people and not only that, but I've put the links as well in the description. So Anybody who wants to read the book can read the, the PDF version. Everything is there, alhamdulillah. But subhanAllah, well, lucky the book is just blowing my mind. When I'm reading about Visa Habiyat, it's just like, really, it's just amazing. Like, literally, my heart shakes, like, just from getting to know these women. SubhanAllah, yeah. it really is. It's like, and I just think to myself, why don't we know this? Why aren't we being told these kinds of things? You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because like when you, you know, it's sometimes if you, if you only sit down and maybe read certain books or you only listen to certain speakers, certain lectures, you will be believing that in order to be a good Muslim woman, you shouldn't be going out of the house much. <laughs> Um, you know, shouldn't it shouldn't be everybody, you know, make sure you're yeah. never seen, you know, you shouldn't be talking yeah. and you should always make sure that you know you, you don't like, you know, don't go against the grain basically. If you're not happy about yeah. something, be pay- oh, do you know what I mean? All these kind of things. Like, yeah. When I'm reading these these hadiths, I'm seeing that no, that's not how these women were. Well, look at Khadija Radila on her. A prime example. She was a businesswoman. Aisha Radula and her. We know the stories about her, and Subhanallah, they had personality. Exactly. And it, it's fine. We can celebrate. We can celebrate our strength. Alhamdulillah. It's definitely time to change the narrative. It is, sure. and the thing is, in, and that's what I like about this book. It says that that the Muslim woman she shouldn't like hide her strength you know she should you know she this strength that she's got she should embrace it and her strength is her femininity as well is it you know when you you know it doesn't make you a man or you're not trying to compete with men in order in like just yeah. in yourself and trying to be the best servant of, of Allah you could be and another thing I read recently in the book was you know when Aisha Radullah and was uh man how was accused of um you know the uh infidelity you know that that story um, subhanallah when the ayat came down you know that she was innocent you know her father said to Abu Bakr and he said oh you know you should thank Allah and thank the Prophet sallallahu and she said I'm gonna thank Allah but I'm not gonna thank the Prophet <laughs> subhanallah I was just yeah. like wow yeah. and you know what and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu he wasn't angry with her because she said that he was happy because that to him showed the strength of how you know how, how firm her belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was and obviously because it wasn't him that had um you know made the shown her innocence it was only Allah subhanAllah you know and it's just like you just see the bonds of the, the relationships between the husband and the wives and you just think wow it's just so amazing subhanAllah and it's just like this is our legacy that we have to look up to and we're not yeah we're not learning enough about it. So like, seriously, I just, yeah, we're so far behind them, like, subhanAllah. Yeah, so true, so true. And alhamdulillah, we're able to connect. It's okay, it's okay. No, but that's the good thing. Like, we're able to connect. We're able to speak up. We're able to 
um, grow even in business in ways that we never could before. So now is the time, alhamdulillah, you know, I really feel that. Yeah, it is. And, and especially like, you know, when you're a single mother as well, you know, we and not everybody's living the, you know, plush life, hunky-dory in a bubble that, you know, you've got the man there to cater and do everything for you. Do you know what I mean? And even some of us who may be married, we still don't have cushy lives. We still have to help our husbands by working, for example. So, you know, sometimes people talk and you just think like, you're saying things, but it does these. It, it doesn't apply to everybody, you know. Everybody yeah, has their own unique circumstances. Because, as you said, you, you was you've been a single mother. You have to go and work. Like yeah, it, yeah. You know, exactly. There's yeah, that's there wasn't an option to do otherwise. So you've had to do this, and as long as it's halal, then what is the big deal? Subhanallah. Exactly. You're, exactly. That's why it's so important. Taking care yeah. of your children exactly that's why it's so important not to judge other people who don't know their situation exactly. you know and for any sisters who do show up on the internet and you know you do actually get messages from people like why are you there in your niqab like I have had that multiple times but um it's just knowing like well no one else is paying my bills and exactly. why not if you've got a skill and it's something that you are happy to share then why not if it's something you want that you want to do no pressure don't don't listen to us you know do what is going to be right and just put your trust in Allah you know your intentions keep renewing your intention but you don't need to be judged by anyone yeah alhamdulillah alhamdulillah Allahumma barik. really I commend you sister because I think you're doing just amazing with four children as Aww. well Allah. like really <laughs> crazy maybe inshallah they'll be a credit to you you're doing you're inshallah. doing your best man like alhamdulillah yeah, yeah. Man, it's, just, yeah, it's good uh, I like that they can see me doing business like they exactly. can see it because I hope that inshallah it will inspire them yeah. to do what they want to do and yeah. that's another thing you know what you were saying before um you know even married sisters it might not even be that you are working because you have to because you have financial difficulties it might just be that you want to do it that you have a passion exactly. that you enjoy what you're doing why not as long as it's halal it's fine and I think that's really important that we know that that it's okay and it's actually great absolutely and you, you know what I'm glad you mentioned that because for women who don't need to work because you know the husband is providing for them if you do work and you get your little pocket money then you can give sadaqah which where every woman is right. encouraged to do that subhanallah the Prophet told us that we should give in charity because he saw that you know there's a lot of women in the hellfire so we need to give as much sadaqah as possible like seriously oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we do. We do. That's what cleanses <laughs> of, our, of our sins, you know, giving charity. Like, subhanAllah, sometimes I wish, I wish I had money just just for that, literally, subhanAllah. Yeah. yeah so we, should, we should try as much as possible, you know, and encourage others to do so as well, subhanAllah. Definitely. Alhamdulillah, definitely. we've been talking for a good hour now, mashallah. <laughs> Since we talked for many hours, it's been a good conversation. Really, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, gosh. <laughs> I've just gotten so carried away, alhamdulillah. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah. I hope the viewers have benefited as well, inshallah. 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 Uh, so, sister, um, okay, coming down yeah. to wind down the interview, inshallah. Do, um, okay. What advice would you give to sisters who would like to wear the niqab, but they don't feel the confidence to wear it? It would be the same advice that I give to anything in life. If you want to do something, sometimes you just get this voice in your head that just keeps holding you back. So I say, think about the pain of not doing it compared to the pain of doing it. If you mm. really want to wear naqab, 
you I know I was in that position myself I really wanted to wear it every time I left the house I felt really sad like I really wanted to wear it and I don't know why it does take a strength to do it um but just thinking of if I don't do it I'm I'm feeling worse than if I do and once you wear it you know it's fine it's just it's that first step so just get comfortable with push yourself out of your comfort zone and just do it there is not going to be a right time um you know it's the same like with taking the shahada there's never going to be a right time if you keep delaying it tomorrow 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 it may never happen so just do it now just say to yourself right i'm going the next time i go to the shop i'm going to wear it and you know what if you wear it and then take it off and and then wear it again in a few days that's okay if you're transitioning into it that's okay but um yeah if you don't do it you're not going to do it so bismillah if it's something that you want to do I know it's easier said than done but I have been there that's the only way to do it is just to put it on it's not like you can just like sneak a little half on it's just it's all or nothing really isn't yeah, it so literally. Just, just do <laughs> it just do it you can do it if you want to wear it bismillah try it you're not you're not tied to it you're not chained to it you can try it and see how you feel that's fine um so if you want to do it I say go for it Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. And lastly, sister, what does the naqab mean to you? I think it's powerful. I think it's powerful. I think, you know, if you want to wear the naqab, you have the right to do so. It's it's a freedom. Um, I think it's awful in some of these countries that they've taken that away because as much as you should, uh, people are allowed to go out in a bikini, you should be allowed to go out covering yourself. To me, okay. it means... Um, it's just something that you know it just it's just I think it's beautiful I think it, it is just beautiful and alhamdulillah um it's something that you can do for the sake of Allah um I definitely know that it's not always easy but if it is something that you want to do it's beautiful and it should be fine to wear wherever you are in the world and just be confident in doing so inshallah Inshallah. May Allah make it easy for all of those sisters. Amen. 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 sister. It's been an amazing discussion. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. It has. Myself. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. It's worth the wait. Alhamdulillah. And I hope, inshallah, I can have more discussions with you in, in the future, inshallah yeah definitely definitely it would be great to have another conversation and Barakal Fiki if people listen this far may Allah bless you we appreciate you I mean I mean definitely because yeah it's been a good hour alhamdulillah but yes don't like yes it's it's good because like these are the juicy conversations but yeah you don't want to miss really alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. alhamdulillah yeah we need more of them yeah again like I said Barakal Fiki for making a platform for us to be able to speak up it's really important alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah for joining me today and for the listeners as well. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.